For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Tis a Tuesday edition of Birds 365. The countdown is on just two days away from actual Eagles football. We're going to talk about Eagles football and uh, the practice version and getting ready for the exhibition season. Uh, we got you covered for the next two hours here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. I'm Jody McDonald. Jeff Curry is my co-host today. But as you can see on your screen, John McMullen is going to start the show with us today. As a reporter. Well, that's what he does every single day. Every once in a while, he's got to suck it up and host with me. Uh, J-Mac, how you doing this morning? Doing well. Getting gearing up for a hot one. The heat is back, my friends. It, it is. It, it, go ahead, Jeff. It actually feels like summer now, J-Mac. Yeah, it does. We, we've gotten, we've gotten kind of lucky. I think that luck ends today. It's going to be hot today, and then it's going to be hot on Thursday as well when they take on the Steelers. I just checked the weather. Kickoff, it's still going to be north of 90 degrees. It's a good thing they've got a 90-man roster. I take it we'll see all 90 of them. Well, there's a couple guys that are hurt, but uh, those that are uh, physically capable of playing, will they try and uh, spread it out as evenly as possible? Because if not, you could have somebody passing out due to dehydration on the sidelines. Yeah, they're going to be very cautious. I mean, you look at the way they've handled this camp uh, just as a whole, and it's been, you know, a, a little bit less than seasonable, uh, as I mentioned, for most of it. Um, you know, they're being very cautious, typically with injuries, but, you know, that will expand to uh, heat. And obviously, you do have the 90-man roster, so this is not a, a regular season game where you only have 47 uh, that can go out there and has to play essentially a whole game. So, yeah, I mean, look, those third stringers, get ready, man. Get those electrolytes because you're going to be out there. John, Jody and I were discussing how much we think Jalen Hurts is going to play on Thursday. How long do you think he's going to play, and uh, do you think Nick Sirianni will answer that if it's asked? I hope he answers it. He tends to give us a little more information than Doug Peterson. I mean, he might have not even gotten to that yet. I, I would imagine he's got to play a quarter. I, I mean, this is a this is a young quarterback with four career NFL starts who hasn't exactly been ripping it up on a daily basis. I mean, this guy needs reps, and this guy needs live reps uh, against somebody else uh, against a a different defense that's trying to accomplish some different things. And I think it's important he plays a little bit. I will say that. How many of those reps that he gets for a quarter or however long it's going to be, slightly more, slightly less, are going to include RPOs? We know what Jalen Hurts' strong suits are, and a big part of his game should be his ability to pull it down and run it or a designated play which in which he runs it. Uh, you think we're going to see uh, more than just one or two RPOs in the time that Hertz is on the field on Thursday night? Well, I, I will say I think there's that's going to be a really, really big part of the Eagles' offense. I mean, a really big part. Um, 
so, you know, it's kind of the frame. Do you want to show it or do you want to hide it? Uh, do you want to put it out there for everybody to see? But, I, you know, I, that kind of stuff is overrated. I, I'd rather try to get the execution down because uh, everybody knows what they're going to do in this league. And if anything, it's it's more apparent now. And I wrote about this on Sports Illustrated, and Nick kind of admitted it. I, I mean, that's what he does well. Uh, he, he's not going to sit back in the pocket and put his back foot in the ground and, and move the football consistently down the field. You have to take advantage of what he does well, and that's getting, you know, this intriguing part of his skill set, the ability to make plays, off-schedule stuff, all that kind of stuff. It's difficult for coaches to lean on that because there's rarely any consistency. You can't just go out and say play sandlot football, but I think similar to what we said about Zach Ertz and 12 personnel versus 11 personnel, Nick is coming to the grips that, okay, if he's here, I got to play him because he's one of my best players in reference to Zach Ertz. In the case of Jalen Hurts, it's like, okay, he's not a great consistent thrower. Let's take advantage of what he does well. And by the way, I think that's, that's one of the positives of Nick Sirianni. That's kind of what we were sold when you go back to Indianapolis and they had the three different quarterbacks and Andrew Luck, Jacoby Brissett, Phillip Rivers, three different offenses. They molded the offense around the strengths of the player. I think they're going to do that here as well. Sirianni said Sunday night that he doesn't have an extensive background in RPOs as you would like, but it seems like a lot of the coaches he hired are deep in that. Kevin Petullo, uh, Jason Michael, he mentioned that. I think Brian Johnson was the other. I mean, how extensive uh, of a background do those guys have? Yeah, I mean, Kevin was at Texas A&M, so he's got uh, uh, a reference from the college level. Brian obviously was at Florida, so he's got a a terrific understanding of it. Um, And and Jason uh, had Marcus Mariota, so he had to essentially build an offense around him in Tennessee when he was a coordinator. Uh, and then he always brings up Tom Manning when he was out in Indianapolis as well. He's a, a Iowa State offensive coordinator. So, yeah, he's he's gotten – and it was Frank Reich because obviously Frank came off um, the, the, the Eagles Super Bowl success, and really they changed the entire offense when Carson Wentz went down because Nick Foles uh, was very effective, not in the running part of it, uh, but just understanding – um, sort of those fake zone reads and, and ha- how to manipulate something he did well. He wanted, you know, that one quick read. Uh, and Frank uh, kind of encouraged him to get up to speed on that part of football. And I've always thought it's interesting. Football is one of the few industries in the world where innovation trickles up. It doesn't trickle down. And in other words, it really starts at the high school level. Forget about college. And then it goes to college, and then it finally arrives in the NFL. And you see it uh, with these with these RPO offenses. It, it, it might not be as aesthetic as, as you would like. I always say, you know, I, I want to see Bill Walsh, West Coast plays. I want to see – but you don't have the time to prepare for that to begin with anymore. You can't practice. You can't do anything. So you got to simplify things. And a, as much as Chip Kelly – became uh, a punchline uh, in, in, you know, 
his ending here in Philadelphia and what happened in San Francisco, uh, and he's not exactly, you know, beating the world down at UCLA. And, you know, he was ahead of the curve. He really was, you know, couldn't adjust, but he was ahead of the curve as far as where the NFL was going. Certain things, yes. Other things, not so much. And as stubborn as the day is long. But we're not not here to re-judge uh, 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 Chip Kelly. Um, I don't know that we've ever touched on this, John, or since uh, Nick Sirianni has certainly taken over. And uh, it, it becomes a different question with every passing day. Has he mentioned whether he does or doesn't still talk to Frank Reich? I know when he got hired, he talked about what Frank meant to him and Frank uh, helping him out and telling him what to do in his Eagle interview and what he learned from Frank and like, but are they still conversing? They both have a pretty uh, full plate of getting their own personal teams ready. But uh, as, as the coach mentioned, whether he talks to his former boss anymore in Indianapolis. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not like Frank cut him off. Frank is very proud of him. Um, yeah, I mean, they text all the time. Ultimately you do get busy this time of year. Um, and, and things differ, but now he's a huge sounding board, uh, for Nick Sirianni. I imagine not only when it comes to offensive football in the NFL, but also how to handle Philadelphia. Um, that's been a big part of it as well, but yeah, those two remain very, very close. Um, and that's how this league is. I mean, you know. You saw Doug Peterson the other day. Everybody lost their mind when he was showed up at Chicago camp with the Bears colors on. You know, that's just about Matt Nagy. Uh, you know, they've been close for years and years and years. Uh, you develop these relationships, and, and Nick Sirianni, yeah, he knows what Frank Reich uh, did for him. And he's probably the guy, the first guy he will go to for advice. I think Quez Watkins has earned at the very least a roster spot, but does he have a legitimate chance to start assuming, you know, Jalen Rager or Travis Fulgham don't step up here? Well, he should, but I, I kind of said that a little bit yesterday. I don't think he does. I, I'd like to see him get more first team reps um, to see what he can do because I do think people, you know, he's been very impressive, but generally he's playing second team and third team reps. Now there's been some injuries. He's He's been with the first team uh, on occasion, but not a ton. I, I, I think that's what you do. He's shown so much uh, against the backups. You know, you give him more uh, reps with the first team and see what he can do with them. And a lot of that comes to the uh, point, mainly Jalen, to be honest, Jalen Rager. Hasn't had a good camp. Uh, Travis Fulgham's been okay. Um, and we know Devontae hasn't been out there. Um, there's plenty of opportunities to get him snaps with the first team. You got a head coach who constantly talks about competition. Look, I mean, they're not seizing the job, these receivers. Um, so other guys should have an opportunity. You know, we talk about cornerback and Zach McPherson. Well, Darius Slay and Steven Nelson have seized those jobs. I mean, they're the starters. They played well. Um, the receivers, you can't say that about. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think Wes should have an opportunity. If, if you ask me, will he get an opportunity? I don't think so. 
There are a couple of positions and receiver uh, Watkins as compared to Rager being one of them. The other, of course, is left tackle with uh, Mylotta and Dillard. Uh, you could even stretch and, and say there's another one or two on the team where it would seem to be a decision by the head coach putting the best player out there, the guy that's going to help him win on that given week, and what would look best for the organization, whether they invested a draft pick and a player and or gave a player a significant contract and like. And sometimes those things get at uh, loggerheads and they don't necessarily mesh and match up. There's going to be at least one during the season where we go, all right, Sirianni took a stand here. And Sirianni said, no, this guy is earning the time. That's why I'm putting him out there. I don't care where he was drafted. I don't care what you're playing him. I'm just evaluating football. Which position or which player do you think that'll be that uh, Sirianni will take his first stand on that, no, I got to play this guy because he's just flat out better in my estimation? Well, I I think if he's here, Zach Ertz, I think he's going to play a lot. Um, And, you know, so that's sort of uh, up to Howie Roseman. So, I mean, if you don't want him to play, you better trade him. So you better Billy Bean him. You better get him out of the building. Uh, because he's going to play if he's here. And really, he's outplayed Dallas Goddard. So, I mean, he's going to play. Forget about the receivers. Um, it's going to be interesting at left tackle because most people think Jordan Mailata is lapping Andre Dillard. I don't think it's that quite that big of a blowout, uh, but it's more because, uh, not because Andre has played well, but I think people kind of overblow, you know, Jordan Mailata and, Poor Jordan, you know, he's Walter Jones. He's Orlando Pace. He's he's already getting fitted for the gold jacket. Um, so I, I don't think that one's as big. And we just brought up Quez Watkins. Um, he, you know, that would be a big one. Because Jalen Rager's a first-round pick from 2020. And if he goes out there and says, you know what? Quez Watkins better. I'm going to play Quez Watkins. I mean, that's one you could say, okay, that's – that's Nick Sirianni put his foot down. Let, let, me, let me follow up there a second, Jeff. Uh, you mentioned that in your estimation, in practices so far, all 11, 11 of them, um, that Ertz has actually been better than Dallas Goddard. We know Ertz did not have a good year last year. He missed some time. There was some injury involved there. But even when he was out there on the field, he didn't look like Zach Ertz, the hundred and change catch guy that we know that he can be. Why do you think Ertz had as bad a year as he did last year, John? Well, I think part of it was the quarterback. I think part of it was he was upset, uh, and, he, and he probably didn't handle it well. He took it on the field. He was a little bit disappointed about how he felt the organization treated him, and then finally have the injury. So I think it was sort of, as it always is in these types of situations, uh, sort of a cocktail of different things. Uh, now he knows, I think, it, this is it, one way or the other. Uh, he's either going to play out his contract and leave or they're going to trade him. So I think he's come to grips with that. He's healthy, obviously, so that helps. Um, and then, you know, presumably, hopefully, <laughs> for Eagles fans' sakes, you're going to have somewhat better play at the quarterback position uh, because you can't go much lower uh, than it was last year. So, um and, and by the way, Zach would probably not agree with that because he's very good friends with Carson still, but that's the truth. Um, so I, I think 
all of those things are at least uh, he's in a little bit of a better place. Um, and I think he's still got, he's proven he's still got gas left in the tank. He's, he's had a very good camp. Since we're on the tight ends, I forgot to ask you this yesterday. Does Tyree Jackson really have a shot to make this team over, say, uh, Richard Rodgers? Uh, I keep him. So one or the other, I'm, I'm, I'm not letting him go through waivers, you know, and people say you need that spot. And boy, I think that's overblown because game day rosters are 47 to begin with. So you're, you're not having six guys active anyway. So it's not like you can't protect somebody on the back end of your roster. The Eagles did it for two years with Jordan Mailata. He wasn't ready to play. They just stuck him because they didn't want to risk uh, putting them through waivers. I see some of the same things with, with Jackson. He's so impressive physically. He, 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 he can catch, he's catch the football naturally. Um, he's got the quarterback background. So he understands route running. He understands what the quarterback wants to see. I think he's going to be a good player. It's probably going to take two or three years. So it's a long-term project, but yeah, I mean, if, if I'm, Richard Rodgers is, is an underrated player. Um, he played very well in difficult circumstances last year. But you see this every year. I mean, Richard signs a one-year contract. He goes on the free agent market. Nobody jumps on him because his age, because he's not fast, because he can't do this, he can't do that. Um, the one year he did sign with Washington, then he came back. I, I mean, nothing against Richard Rodgers, but you got to keep that long-term sort of uh, upside, I, I would think, if I'm Howie Roseman. So if, if Zach Ertz is here, yeah, you got to cut Richard Rodgers and keep Tyree. Obviously, if you trade Zach Ertz, then it becomes easier. Uh, yeah, And you just keep Dallas and, and Richard and Tyree. And then Jack Stoll has also been impressive as an undrafted rookie at times. But you can get him through waivers. Because that's just a typical tight end. He doesn't have this eye-popping athleticism or size. You could get him through waivers and get him on the practice squad. All right, John, two-part uh, two question. Number one is about Tyree Jackson, as you're just talking about. Uh, I give uh, Jeff credit. He knew exactly how to look this up for me. Greg Ward's been here the last two years. And it took until the last game last season in a game in which the Eagles were, in some people's opinions, attempting to lose to improve their draft status, that they finally got Greg Ward to throw the football downfield. And from, from the day Ward was activated for the Eagles, when are we going to run the end around? The former quarterback, oh, we can fake him out with that one. Trick play, got to have it. Didn't do it in 2019, didn't do it for the first 15 games of 2020. They finally rolled it out there last week, and he completed a pass to Travis Fulgham for 15 yards. How do you get a dual passing play in for Tyree Jackson if he's actually going to be active? I know if uh, the two tight ends are healthy, he's never going to be active. He's going to be one of those guys sitting up in the booth if he's on the roster. Can they work that in? Will Sirianni get that in? I'm rooting for it to get here before uh, it took uh, almost two full years to get Greg Ward a chance to throw the pass. The tight end double pass doesn't happen much in the NFL, John. Can Nick Sirianni make it happen? 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, they can make it happen. Uh, obviously, Tyree got to ask the question. He said he hasn't thrown the football at all yet. Uh, I mean, ultimately, I, I get it. You know, fans get excited about trick plays. Uh, yes. Philly special. All, you know, Trey Burton was a tight end. Um, Correct. Uh, so, yeah, you can do it. You're not going to live on it. I mean, look at Logan Thomas has made this transition. That's what you're going for. You don't see him throwing the football 10 times a game. I mean, you can't live on trick plays. Might they pull it out somewhere down the line? Yeah, he has a skill set capable of it if you think you can fool somebody. Um, so, yeah, uh, you might see it. But, again, he's not going to be ready to play uh, right away in a regular season game. I doubt you're going to break it out in a preseason game because you don't want to show it right. uh, if you got it in there uh, at some point down the line. But he is a quarterback. Uh, former quarterback. He was a highly successful quarterback like Greg Ward. Um, it's a good comparison. Trey Burton was a quarterback in high school, uh, recruited uh, to be a quarterback at first before he made the transition. Uh, so a lot of these guys have the ability to at least throw the football. If somebody's open and you surprise somebody, Tyree would be in that category. What's most intriguing to me, though, is, and, and you use Greg Ward as a comparison, this would be like if you had Greg Ward with top-tier athleticism for the wide receiver position. I mean, Tyree, Tyree Jackson is just – he looks like an NBA power forward. He's just so big, so athletic. Uh, and, again, he's ahead of the game from uh, a catch, uh, 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 a hand standpoint because he just seems to have a natural affinity for it. And then he's ahead of the game from a route running concept because he understands routes from being a quarterback. I just think he's a great prospect. Um, and, you know, he mentioned um, his old coach who, you know, got him on the train to make the transition. He, he's a better athlete than Logan Thomas. And you see lo how good Logan Thomas is. That's your upside. This is, this, this is a big-time prospect. And I don't think people realize it because obviously it's a non-traditional route. Now, how much do you think a Tyree Jackson, for example, would play Thursday night? You would figure he's going to get a lot of the reps. Yeah, yeah, he's going to play. He's still raw. One all, all the accolades I give him, he still needs a ton of reps at the tight end position. I just don't think you're going to get some of the frills. He's going to play tight end uh, because that's ultimately – or what they're going to try to make him into. And he needs a lot of reps, especially when it comes to the blocking part of the game. The The one advantage there he has is he's 6'7", 250. So he can just get in front of people and uh, accomplish things uh, that others can't. Uh, and that's what you want him getting ramped up on is just what normal tight ends do. John, you mentioned about bringing Richard Rogers back. He goes, he comes back, he goes, he comes back. Same thing for Blake Countess yesterday, <laughs> coming back to the Eagles again. He's been here, he's left, he's been here, he's left. They're bringing him back again. I guess uh, Melifonwu got injured, so they got an injury settlement and let him go. This is just to fill out the preseason, right? We're, we're not counting on Blake Countess being in the Eagle lineup this year, are we? No, it's completely a, a, a camp body type thing. They needed uh, a safety. Uh, remember, Rodney's not uh, ready to go. Um, 
So they needed that. Uh, it is the preseason. You want the 90-man rosters. It is going to be 97 degrees on Thursday. You want as many bodies as possible to get through not only those reps, but the practice reps as well. Uh, yeah, it's camp body. Unfortunately, that's one of the dirty parts of this industry. <laughs> Guys are brought in uh, essentially just to be a camp body. But you're right. Blake's been here so many times. I call it the Julian Vanderveld Award. You know, there's a lot of guys. Casey Tucker. You know, Julian was signed and cut so many times. We used to joke they had him uh, in a cot. He just lived in the back. Uh, <laughs> and they brought him in each and every time. You know, Casey Tucker's been here a lot. Uh, you just get comfortable with some guys. You know they're good guys. They're going to work hard. They're going to do what you ask. But, yeah, he, he's, he's not going to be a part of this team. I got to give Dave Spadaro credit for this one. Um, Sunday, he asked Nick Sirianni about, well, how does Jalen Hurts running the football factor into his, and he didn't mention it, obviously, because he works for the Eagles, but his struggles in practice and how he's going to, I guess, counteract it. And Nick, he gave a detailed answer, but I thought it was a whole lot of nothing per se. But uh, overall, John, like, do you feel when these games start, that will mask Hurts' struggles a bit? Yeah, I mean, that's where the RPO part comes in. I think that, you know, that's going to be a big part of his game. And that's, you know, I've talked about this for a lot. And and Jody has heard me ask too many people, you know, what can Jalen Hurts do to be the long-term answer of this team? Um, I I think it's going to be very difficult for him because Jeffrey Lurie, this this comes from the top down. And by the way, Jeffrey Lurie is right. he believes you need a, a top-tier passing offense uh, to be a consistent winner in the modern NFL. I agree with him. I think he's completely right. I think Nick realizes for what he has right now, he's got to go in a different direction. And ultimately, those two will clash heads after the season, uh, and the Eagles will say, we got to go get a more um, uh, consistent passing quarterback. Uh, that's where I think we are. That's why I think it's a transition year. But, you know, while Jalen Hurts uh, is the starting quarterback of this team, uh, Nick is going to try to uh, accentuate the strengths of the player and mask as many deficiencies as possible. And that means RPO, RPO, RPO. Has the non-success in the playoffs of the Ravens with Lamar Jackson. And I know Lamar Jackson won an MVP, but they haven't advanced in the playoffs. They haven't made a Super Bowl. Forget about winning a Super Bowl. Um, if if Lamar Jackson was leading the Ravens with his type of game, their type of game, the Ravens, which isn't 5,000 yards pass heavy, if they had done more, do you think Jeff Laurie would be more uh, um, amenable to a run-heavy uh, offense as a potential to get the Eagles back to the ball. Yeah, I do. I, I mean, I, I think if Lamar Jackson was here, he'd shift his thinking. Uh, but I think that's a, a, a very, very unique player um, who's just uh, on a different level from an athleticism standpoint. You try to, you're getting to the playoffs. Uh, you're having this tremendous success in the regular season. Um, he has an MVP season. And the, yeah, the playoffs. Uh, haven't 
shaken out the way you want. But then you go back to the old Andy Reid sentiment. Look, so many things have to happen for you to win a Super Bowl in this league. Everything from injuries. You, football people hate to use the term luck, but you got to get lucky at, at certain points of the season. Um, and Andy's goal was always, let's get to the playoffs. Uh, then maybe the stars align. Um, and I think that's where Baltimore is. You know, they're going to be a playoff contender. And if you get to that position each and every single year and you develop that consistency, yeah, I think that would change the level of thinking of Jeffrey Lurie because of the player is so unique. But I think his overall sort of mindset, there aren't a lot of Lamar Jacksons out there. there there's one. That's it. You, you can try to make tortured comparisons. There are no comparisons. Um, so he's a little bit different, he, but he's an outlier. So where I think Jeffrey is co- correct is that it's easier uh, to be consistent and, and from a winning standpoint on this team if you have a top-tier passing offense. And I think he's right on that. I kill Jeffrey Laurie a lot. Uh, I hear about killing him too much. Uh, in this instance, he is 100% correct. Here's the thing I think is ironic, John. Like, throughout most of Jeffrey Lurie's ownership, he had Cunningham, I guess, his first year when he bought the team, and then, you know, Ray Rhodes benched him, and you had mostly Donovan McNabb in the Michael Vick era. Like, so he knows probably more than anybody how the quote-unquote running quarterback ultimately does, even though they've had a great deal of success with these guys. Yeah, well, I a couple things. The game has changed drastically, even from Jeffrey first ball at the team. I mean, it's a completely different game. Uh, I think if you look at uh, Donovan, I, I don't think it's it's not having a running quarterback. I don't consider Donovan McNabb a running quarterback. He he was a quarterback who could run, uh, and that's fine. I mean, you have the 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 Patrick Mahomes of the world. He's not a running quarterback, but he can run. Uh, when he needs to run. Aaron Rodgers uh, is one of the best as far as manipulating the pocket. And if you're going to give him something, uh, he's tremendously athletic and he's going to take it running the football. Um, As you move forward, uh, the game has changed even from 10 years ago, never mind 26 years ago. Um, It's just, you know, and you see it throughout the league. I mean, you see the astronomical astronomical numbers that uh, Mahomes and Rodgers and obviously Tom Brady at the top of the list have been able to put up. It's just easier to throw the football because of the changes in the rules of the game. And I think the smart teams understand, look, it's not easy to get players like that, but if you have that top-tier passing offense, you're going to win consistently. And that's, that's always been Jeffrey's goal. John, you referenced it earlier about uh, the Eagles and RPOs for Thursday night. How much do you get the reps in, get the work in, get the practice in, and how much do you want to keep under wraps? Certainly not show the Steelers, even though you don't play them again, or anyone else will be watching the tape of this game after the fact. We haven't talked at all about the defense, and we're going to get our first feel for their new defensive coordinator. We see what they've done in practice which, oh, by the way, is dominating on almost a daily basis. But they'll be doing against a different team, a uh, a bunch of guys in a different colored jersey. 
how much is Gannon going to show on Thursday night? Is it important for him to put certain principles in place and get them hammered home, even though it's only the first exhibition game? Or is this just still a feel-out period that he doesn't want the rest of the National Football League knowing what his defense is going to do this year? Yeah, more of the latter. Uh, obviously, you know, these guys, it's it's CIA-level secrecy. They don't want to show too much. It's going to be a lot of vanilla stuff um, on what he wants to run. And, you know, that's everywhere in the league. I always say nobody, nobody's game planning, obviously. You're just trying – this is just an extension of practice. You're trying to work on execution, uh, try to uh, obviously uh, – figure out the evaluation of different players and things of that nature. And you try that to put them in positions to see what you need to see from them, but you're not really focused on, on the opponent. You're focused on yourself and you're trying to get your own work done. That's sort of uh, the mode early in the preseason. We'll see preseasons obviously changed. Maybe that changes a little bit uh, for the coaches, uh, but more majority than most, you might have a dress rehearsal at some point, but this is certainly not going to be it. Bruce Arians kind of unveiled what the Bucks are going to do this preseason, and they have a different schedule than the Eagles. They only have one joint practice, but he I don't know if you heard, John. He pretty much said, we're going to play the first team. Uh, Tom Brady's going to play a series or two. Maybe the first team will go in longer. They're going to – evaluate reevaluate after the joint practice to see how much this the first team plays the second game with the titans and then the third preseason game this was kind of eye-opening he said well we might be playing stars a little more there could you see the eagles potentially doing that formula i i think they should i i think there should be one game uh where the starters should play certainly and when i say the starters we all know certain guys that are um aging that maybe are a little bit different but when you talk about the young players uh the young starters and most notably we're talking about Jalen Hurts yeah I think you got to play him into the third quarter uh whether that's going to be week three I assume um gotta gotta be out there because he needs the reps all right John last thing what do you got going today and tomorrow we will not see your smiling face either live and or this uh, great capture picture they have of you. What do you got the next two days before the game? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say great. Tomorrow's COVID testing. Uh, so I got to go through that rigmarole to every two weeks. Hopefully it stays that way. Um, otherwise you can't go anywhere. You can't go to practice. You can't go to games. So you got to stay in the, the protocol, the rotation. Of course, you know this, Jody, just as the Eagles are going to announce a a Deshaun Watson trade at 10.02, whenever that happens. Uh, the COVID testing window is exactly the Birds 365 window. So 8 to 10 in the morning. So I could go early and say jump on, but you never know what's going to happen. You're never going to know. Uh, how things are going to shake out. So I don't want to leave you guys in in the lurch. But if you need somebody and if everything goes to plan, I might be available, but I can't guarantee I'm available. Is there going to be is there going to be any walkthrough on Wednesday or is that just a hey, we're prepping for the game on Thursday? No, they are. They are going to have a walkthrough on Wednesday. Uh, 
but that's closed to the media. No so media. We're not allowed okay. to see that anymore. So will you be good now? You get your COVID test tomorrow. You'll be good for the next preseason game. Then you won't have to get it. It's it's good for two weeks. So I, I'm day to day, Jeff. I look 24 hours. <laughs> I don't even know when it's down preseason. You probably have a better indication from me, man. I get bogged down. I got to look at what day it is, what date. I, I got to look at it all, man. All right. So, so I'm telling you right now, McMullen, we, if we can get you tomorrow, we'll punch up at some point. If we can't, don't sweat it. Uh, yes, you're expected to be here and ready to rock on Thursday, pal. I, I will be there, Jody. John McMullen, uh, my usual co-host, uh, just jumping on as a guest today. We got Jeff Curd doing the job, filling in for him. Come back. I want to follow up on a couple things we brought up in McMullen. Uh, I want to get your take on him, Jeff. Uh, good guest coming up next hour, our very own Barrett Brooks from the middle. You see him on NBC Sports Philadelphia as well, former Eagle offensive lineman. Going to jump on and give us his take leading up to exhibition game number one, game one of the Nick Sirianni era. He's Jeff Carr. I'm Jody McDonald. You're listening to Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. 
a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Birds 365, a week one edition. Yes, we're getting closer to the beginning of the Nick Sirianni era, which will start Thursday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jeff Curran for Johnny Mac with me, Jody Mac here with you on uh, Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. All right, uh, Jeff, we are now just a couple of days from the Eagles season getting underway. I get it. Doesn't matter if they win 42 to nothing or lose 42 to nothing. It doesn't count because it's an exhibition game, but... Uh, we're here for the Birds fans, and certainly that's what they're going to be tuned to on Thursday night is the Eagles game. Game number one, does it matter from an Eagles fan standpoint whether they win or lose the game in your mind? I don't think the result matters. I think it's how they look, and it's going to be a vanilla offense, Jody. We know that. Uh, Nick Sirianni is going to be like Doug Peterson. He ain't going to give anything away. But I think what everybody wants to know is how this quarterback's going to look. And because that's all I hear every day. You, you know, how's Jalen Hurts doing? Why do you think Jalen Hurts is doing so bad? You know, why is he inconsistent? Why don't you have faith in him? It's every day. It's the same thing. And I'm like, look, I, I actually am a big fan of Jalen Hurts. But you know, I got a report what I'm hearing, and, you know, it's he's been inconsistent. He's got a really good deep ball. But I think fans want to see Jalen Hurts in game action. Like, I still think him being able to run kind of – I want to say it gets rid of the deficiencies in this game. Like, if he can't complete a 10-yard pass, okay, people are going to be frustrated at that. But if he can take off and get a 15-yard run or extend the play a bit and then maybe complete a pass – then I think, it, you know, more people are going to believe in it. But I, I feel like ultimately at the end of the day, Eagles fans really want this guy to be their quarterback, uh, definitely this year. Uh, but I think they want to see if he could be the franchise quarterback. Understood. And we've taken uh, a whole bunch of uh, guys on the stream here. I get a lot of tweets on my account calls on WIP. There is a good group of people who really want to see Jalen Hurts be the Eagles quarterback this year. And don't want the Eagles to make a move for a guy like Deshaun Watson, which I can understand on a couple of different fronts. Number one, uh, who knows what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson, whether he's even going to be capable of playing or not. There's a chance that a legal case is a criminal case is brought against him. You know, the NFL is going to react in some way, shape or form. So that's part of the trepidation with Eagle fans. But I also get the feeling that there's a percentage of Eagle fans that think Jalen Hurts is going to be a top 10 quarterback in the league. I like the guy. I'm pulling for the guy. I want the guy to become a top 10 quarterback. I wouldn't predict it because I kind of try and hold myself up to getting things right here on the air on Birds 365 or anywhere else that I broadcast. And I just have never believed that. So until I see it with my own eyes, I'm not going to predict it or project it. They're going to get what they want, Jeff. He's going to be the Eagles quarterback. Just yesterday, uh, Deshaun Watson returned to practice for the Houston Texans. Now, uh, we know John McClain. We've had John McClain as a guest. I had him on my weekend show on CBS Sports Radio. And he said, Jody, let me repeat to you something I'd said previously. Deshaun Watson is never going to take another snap again for the Texans. 
John is really tied into that organization. He's been covering him forever. He's got great sources. When he says something like that, I take it to heart. Well, there are people reporting yesterday that Deshaun Watson returned to practice for the Texans. He had come in, had practiced, but not done much the first couple of days. The last week in change, they've had him uh, supposedly injured on the sidelines. He's showing up, but he's not on the field with the Texans. He returned to practice yesterday. Is there a chance that the Texans are going to try and do a 180 here and actually mend fences with Deshaun Watson and get him up to speed in time to be their starting quarterback this year? Because the league seems to refuse to act. They haven't made any statements. They haven't put on a put them on a commissioner's exempt list. They just continue to say, well, it's kind of on you guys. We're, we're moving forward with the season, and we don't have enough to take a stance on Deshaun Watson. Do you think John McClain is uh, going to end up getting this wrong and that Deshaun Watson is going to play for uh, Houston this year? Well, what a weird story it was yesterday, and I think this is why people were getting on John McClain because – he did show up in practice yesterday with pads. He had his beanie on. Then he goes back into the facility, and then he comes back out again. Then he goes back in again. And the Texans have been saying, like, it's a leg injury or whatever. I, I refuse to believe that. I just don't think they want him around. I don't even think they want him in the building. But he's pretty much a hold-in at this point because he wants to be traded. And I'm sure they'd love to trade him. But they can. And maybe they're realizing uh, Tyrod Taylor isn't any good. Davis Mills isn't ready. We owe something to our fans here. And this guy is, we're paying him. You might as well play him. And hopefully he lights it up the first four or five weeks. And a team does what Oakland did years ago and gives, you know, Carson Palmer didn't play, but Oakland gives Cincinnati a first round pick for this quarterback or uh, in Deshaun Watson's case, a lot more, but, it feels like the only way he can raise the stock right now is by actually playing, even though we know on the field he's good. It's the off-field stuff. That's what people want to know. And the NFL just doesn't look like it, it wants even the resolution. They only they only want this to go away. It's going to keep lingering until Roger Goodell or this case is settled, and I don't even think that's going to get settled until next year. Right. Uh, we know for a fact that the civil cases don't start – till February. So they're, they're not going to be touched unless there's a settlement and both sides have come out strongly and said, we're not settling. This case is going to court. We are going to have this case heard by uh, a judge, a jury, whatever. Um, but there's not going to be a settlement here. Deshaun Watson isn't offering it and the plaintiffs don't seem to want to take it. So you know when that's going to start, not even finish, just start is next year, 2022 in February whether they have criminal charges that are actually brought against them and the investigation leads to an indictment, we don't know. And we don't know where that's proceeding. And the Houston Police Department is not going to have uh, every two-a-day updates on us. We wish they would, but they're not going to do something like that. But here's where I think it turns intriguing, Jeff. If the Texans decide to inform Deshaun Watson, listen, we're going to get you back out there. We're going to have you practice. And the game plan is we've got four weeks before the season starts. You're going to be our opening day starting quarterback. We know you're the best quarterback here in camp. We, we're going to try and win games this year. Uh, we don't look like a Super Bowl team. That would be an understatement. Uh, but we're going to try and win games, and you're going to be our starting quarterback. If Deshaun is true to his word, he should say, no, I'm not. 
I don't want to be here. I don't want to play for you. I don't want to risk my future. I, well, sorry, Deshaun, you're being paid this year, and we're planning on having you as the starting quarterback. Then he has to react. It's on Deshaun Watson. The shoe flips over. And he has to walk away from the team. He's got to hold out. He's got to say, all right, then I'm not showing up for practice anymore. And I don't think the Texans will worry about collecting the fines, but then that gives them the right to turn around and tell the league, hey, this guy needs to be suspended. He refuses the job for camp. Where do we go from here? Do you think that uh, Roger Goodell does the Texans a favor? If it gets to the point where Deshaun's not showing up, that they say, all right, we'll suspend him for you. Yeah, I I think that's the only solution right now. The Texans would have to do it, and they have to have a just cause, and that would be the only reason to do that because they can't suspend him for what hasn't happened yet or what he's allegedly accused of doing. So this is a really tough situation. I I would not want to be Nick Cesario right now. I I, I just wouldn't because me personally, I'd just be like, you know what? Just stay in the back. Go away. We'll try to trade you. Like, we're not going to win this year. We want four games with you playing your best year last year. We're not any better, I, you know, unless they all of a sudden get in the back of their minds, oh, Carson Wentz is out. Jaguars are – this is the first year of a rebuild. The Titans, yeah, they'll win the division. But we might have a shot at the playoffs, and, you know, then we'll do it. But, no, their defense isn't good. Their offensive line is okay. Their running game's better. They ran the ball more, sure, but, they, you know, they're receiving – the receivers are okay. like Brandon Cooks is still pretty good. Kiki Kuti's, you know, he's solid. But at the end of the day, like, really, you want to try to get the best possible haul you can for this guy. And I th- just think you just got to keep him in the background at this point. And if he doesn't want to show up, say, you know what, you're doing us a favor. You, you honestly are. You're doing us a favor by not showing up. But you show up in pads, then we got a problem because the head coach got to answer questions he really doesn't know anything about. And the GM won't give him anything. Like yesterday, um, Cully's press conference, they didn't even ask him one Deshaun Watson question. And this was, I, I don't know if he talked before or after the practice. I can't remember, but it was like, I, if they're smart, they would have Cully speak before the practice now. But it, it's overall, it's just a mess. So if he wants to go away and not, I wouldn't, I'd just be like, you know what? Fine. We'll, we'll, we'll take it. And here's the one part of the story, aspect of the story that I think has been underplayed and under-discussed. Sean Watson has a no-trade clause in his contract. Uh, Yes, the Texans can ask for the sun, the moon, and the stars. Other teams can try and put low-ball offers out there so they can get them for 60 cents on the dollar because all this pending stuff is going to happen uh, after he gets moved to another team. None of that happens unless Deshaun Watson gives his okay. Now, For a guy who's been as outspoken as he has about not wanting to be in Texas anymore, it'd be pretty tough to go, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, no, Uh, you got a trade worked out? No, I'm not going to play for Philadelphia. No, I have no desire to go to Philadelphia. Uh, Keep trying. See if you can get me a deal somewhere else where I want to go, either to a California team, maybe a Miami team. Um, That has not played out at all. It's because Deshaun Watson isn't being quoted at all. And he's got a legit cover to say, I don't want to talk to the media because I can't discuss my legal situation. My attorney has advised me to say nothing. Be uh, Sergeant Saltz. I know nothing. Um, But we don't even know if he's going to accept whatever trade the Texans can work out. Do you think Watson would be 
finicky and picky about where he uh, lands? Or do you think he's just going to want to get on with the rest of his life and take a trade to any team? He shouldn't be. Uh, honestly, he just should go wherever they can get the best offer for him. You know, you really want Allie Houston. If you want to reshape your image, reshape your football career, you don't have a choice. You got to go wherever, whatever team gives you the best offer. And Houston says, yeah. So if it would happen to be Philadelphia, you know, I'm hoping Jalen Hurts is a quarterback for this year. But if it happens to be the Eagles, so be it. You know, if I was Sean Watts, I'd say, hey, you know what? I got to face the music and he better be ready because. The fan base is already going to be tough on him, regardless of play or not on the field. It's everything off it. And he's going to have to sit up there at that podium in the Novacare Complex Auditorium, or if they go to Lincoln, do it with Jeffrey Lurie, with Howie Roseman. And all three of them are going to have to answer the questions that he doesn't want to answer right now. That's going to be the situation. So, but if Deshaun Watson wants a fresh start, rebuild his image, it, it, we're assuming that. He's learned from this. Um, you know, you got it. It's because that's your one chance of playing. If I'm Houston, I don't touch him. I do want to get back to Jalen Hurts, though. I did a bold prediction for him. Okay. I think he's going to get 30 total touchdowns this year. So I, I think that's possible, Jody. I, I don't know. I may be a little far-fetched there, but it is bold for a reason. But he can get 20 to 25 passing touchdowns and 5 to 10 rushing touchdowns. That's 30. <laughs> I, I don't disagree. I think it's bold, but I wouldn't call it outrageously bold. If he starts all 17 games, which, of course, uh, you're banking on him staying healthy and he is going to put his body at risk because we all believe he's going to run some, maybe not as much as Lamar Jackson, but a heck of a lot more than Tom Brady. Uh, so he's going to be putting his body at risk, and there always is the chance of injury even if we believe the Eagles offensive line will have a bounce back year because of health for guys like uh, Lane Johnson and, and Brooks, uh, that the Eagles offensive line will be better and uh, Hertz will be sacked less than Carson Wentz was last year. Yeah. If he's going to start most games, uh, great majority of 15, 14 out of 16, 30 is not impossible. That's not outrageous. It's bold, but it's not outrageous. Would you th say you thought the split was going to be 25 and 5 or somewhere yeah, thereabouts? 20 to 25 and 5 to 10 uh, for rushing touchdowns. So, I mean, I, I think 25 is very realistic. You know, th 30 would be nice. I mean, if he gets 30, I think you and I, you know, and John will would be having a conversation like, what are the Eagles doing? I know, and John said earlier, Jeffrey Lurie wants that Aaron Rodgers type passing quarterback, but Hurts is a good year and they win games. Like, do you really want to abandon him? Yeah, they do. Uh, he's going to have to be uh, – shoot, I don't know what that line is. Uh, shoot, we've been talking about this for months now. Um, there is a line. I don't know where it is. You don't know where it is. I don't know that Howie Roseman and Sirianni and Jeff Lurie know where it is, that he's going to need to reach a level of achievement because if not, they're going to aggressively pursue someone else like a Deshaun Watson. Start him next year. We'll have a better idea where Deshaun's – life is at and how available he is uh if not other quarterbacks could become available and of course we'll all fall in love with someone from next year's draft and can the eagles use their draft assets to get to a point where they can draft them number one or number two i don't know what that line is and no one can because it depends on how things go in the national football league this year if uh, aaron Rodgers throws for 60 touchdowns and tom brady throws for 55 
and it's just the way of the league that that many more points are being scored on a week-in, week-out basis. All of a sudden, Jalen Hurts is, what do you give him, 30 total, 25 passing, five right? If that's a, a small a, a number compared to what everybody else is doing in the league, well, then they're going to flip. We're, we're comparing this to uh, years gone by, most notably last year, and then uh, the importance of it lessens with every year you move back. No, I don't know what the NFL – do you think there's going to be a breakout offensive year in the NFL, Jeff? I think there's going to be records broken. Um, I think Peyton Manning's 65 touchdowns is in jeopardy because we have the extra game. Right. Um, I don't know we'll have a 2,000-yard rusher again. I mean, I did this – I think in May I wrote about Derrick Henry's chances of repeating as such in a 17 game season. And I was kind of shocked to know every running back that's had 2000 yard season the next year, they don't get over 1450. So that's something I know Derrick Henry's built different, but so was OJ. So was uh, Barry Sanders. Um, you know, Terrell Davis got hurt, but Adrian Pearson, you know, he was built different too. He didn't get it. So yeah, I, I think a um, couple records I'm looking at. Michael Thomas's receptions record, I'm really – because that's 149 catches. I, it could be broken. I mean, guys are just catching the ball left and right. Um, Travis Kelsey's receiving yards for a tight end, he might break that himself. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, I, what do you have, like 1,500 last year? So he might do that. Um, what was the other one I was really looking into? Oh, uh, receiving touchdowns is going to be tough because I think Randy Moss is 23. And I don't think anyone's ever gotten 20. I think Devonta Adams. big number, yeah. Yeah, I think Devonta Adams at 18 last year. And you're like, whoa. And um, what was the – there's a couple other ones. Oh, the receiving yards one, I think Calvin Johnson still has it, if I'm not mistaken. Julio Jones has gotten close. It's weird because they spread the ball around so much that it's hard for someone to get that. But overall, I think the quarterback records are the ones you're going to be looking at. Like passing, right. yeah, passing yards. Yeah, those are the ones. Quickie comment from you, and then uh, we got to get a break in. We get back to the Eagles. Calvin Johnson uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame. Megatron gave his speech on Saturday night. I actually thought it was pretty damn good. But he mentioned his teammates. He mentioned his coaches. He mentioned the fans of the football team that he played for. He mentioned the city of Detroit. He did not mention the Detroit Lions. He's got this ongoing beef with the Lions. He didn't like that when he retired with time left on his contract, they clawed back some of the signing bonus. That's the rules. That's the way the NFL goes. You sign a long-term deal, you decide to walk away or you put yourself in jeopardy with uh, off the field action. And that wasn't Calvin Johnson. He wasn't in trouble. He didn't get arrested. He didn't do anything wrong. He just said, Nope, I had enough. I know I got years to go on my contract, but I'll pass. And he walked away from the game. Good for him. Um, but he didn't think the Lions would actually claw back part of his contract. They did $1.6 million of it, which, again, not an outrageous sum because he made tens of millions over his years in the league. But, hey, any money that someone is going to ask you to give back to them is going to be painful. And it was to Johnson. He was ticked. The Lions have, over the last couple of years, attempted to mend the fences and specifically this year, they offered him the chance to get the $1.6 million back if he did work for them over the next three years. And when I say did work, that would mean like personal appearances, handshaking shows, uh, stuff like that. A, a grand total of 20 some odd hours each year for the next three years. And they'd give him $1.5 or the $1.6 million back. And the other 100000 they donate to his charity, 
which he talked about in his Hall of Fame speech. So he's trying to do the right thing by people. So that's still important to him and good for him. Didn't mention the organization at all and told them no thank you to the opportunity to quote unquote earn back the $1.5 million. How bad a look is this for the Detroit Lions? Well, it's really bad considering the whole Barry Sanders fiasco when he retired. And look, you, this is really weird, Jody, when you have, in my opinion, one of the greatest receivers of all time. Uh, and, and, you know, his numbers would have been atrociously good if he, he could still be playing right now. Yeah. He's 34. He's not even old yet. Like, it's, it's insane. And same with Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders, I, I you know, I think a lot of that had to do with Walter Payton tragically passing, but Barry Sanders would have been the all-time leading rusher. I don't think Evan Smith would have been. I, I, I think Barry would have had that for a long time, probably still right now. But just their relationships with that organization, it's you're the Ford family. You really got to wonder how you're doing business here because you have a franchise icon, an NFL icon at running back, an NFL icon at wide receiver, first battle Hall of Famers, no doubt about it, and yet – they have bad relationships. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done with the franchise that played for him and it, it doesn't even relate to wins and losses on the football field it's you know stuff they're doing like uh, Calvin Johnson probably has so much pride in himself like no I don't want this like I don't want to be affiliated with you anymore like I was an employee for you and that's how you treated me and that's fine but I don't want to be like this team ambassador for you now I you know if the NFL were, were the higher Calvin Johnson sure like but I don't think Calvin Johnson just wants anything to do with them anymore it's like okay I play for the Lions. You want to retire my number? Awesome. I don't think it's ever going to happen because, you know, it's it's a bad beef. It's just the way it is. And, you know, I just don't think it's, you know, if 10, 20 years from now, kids going to ask Calvin Johnson, you know, how you know, about your NFL career? He's like, well, I played for 10 years. I don't think he'll mention he played for the Lions. So that's just how, how it rolls. I just don't think he wants anything to do with them. So, Eagle fans, if you are not overly optimistic coming into the season after 4-11-1, if you're thinking, yeah, I think we can win four games again this year, that would be 4-13 since they added one, and we're not banking on Eagles getting a tie again this year. They're running with six seconds left in a tie game. Correct. Um, So, uh, that would be another bad year. As bad as that may be, as bad as you feel about your Eagles after going to a Super Bowl, going that backwards that quickly. Hey, at least you're not the Detroit Lions because they've never been to the big dance and they can't even keep their Hall of Fame players happy uh, in alumni status. All right, he's Jeff Carr. I'm Jody McDonald. Quick time out, come back. We'll continue the conversation on the birds. Barrett Brooks from the middle and NBC Sports Philadelphia is going to join us coming up next hour. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life. 
count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Your Birds 365 guys on a week leading up to the first preseason game. Of the year for the Eagles. First Nick Sirianni game ever. Jeff Carr and Jody McDonald hanging with you. Barrett Brooks going to join us coming up in about 15 minutes from now. Um, interesting take from someone on our uh, stream here, Jeff, and I want to get your read on it. Um, Cody uh, said, hey, guys, I don't see Deshaun Watson wanting to come here. As I mentioned, an, an underreported part of the story is Deshaun Watson, if he is to be traded, has to okay it. He's got a no-trade clause in the contract. When he signed a big deal with Houston, got paid as a franchise quarterback, part of what he wanted was to control his own destiny, and they gave it to him. They gave him a no-trade clause. So uh, we can sit here and speculate, uh, should the Eagles, would the Eagles, how much is it going to cost, are they screwing Jalen? All those aspects are fun aspects of the story. And Deshaun Watson could just go, shut up. I have a no-trade clause. I'm not going to Philadelphia. Um, but uh, as Cody points out on our stream, he says, I don't see Watson wanting to be here because 
he wants a say in what their friend office does. That certainly has been reported down in Houston with the uh, firing of Bill O'Brien and the trades that have been made and the hiring of Nick Casario. Uh, he has not been unafraid to Sean Watson to step up and say, what the hell are we doing? And nobody talking to me. I'm the guy you tell me is the franchise quarterback of this team, yet uh, you make all these moves, you do change all these things and uh, take players away that I get along with, I think help us win, and no one thinks to ever ask me. So he's been kind of outspoken about that. And uh, Cody says, that's not what the Eagles do. I don't see how he letting him have any say anyway. But then there's a report in uh, today's inquiry, wherever it was, somebody saying that uh, – Fletcher Cox actually has some pretty good sway along the defensive line and moves that the Eagles have made and bringing in defensive uh, linemen or letting defensive linemen go that how he does let certain individuals get in his ear and affect decisions that he made makes. Which one is it, Jeff? Does Howie Roseman need to control all things in the world of the Philadelphia Eagles or is Howie a guy who is open-minded and lets guys who have positions of importance on the team have a say in roster building going forward. Before I start, that had to be a Jeff McClain piece because Fletcher Cox's answer or not answer toward Jeff McClain Sunday night. It's yeah, yeah, exactly that's what I was referring to. Correct. Yeah, he definitely didn't. Uh, the Eagles definitely don't want that stuff coming out, but it comes out. So. I actually think they do cater to certain players, and they view Fletcher Cox as one of those guys. If Fletcher Cox wants Ryan Kerrigan there, I'm pretty sure the Eagles will go get Ryan Kerrigan for him. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think that's bad pub at all. And I would cater to a guy like Deshaun Watson because he is that good. And I I know all the baggage and stuff, but we're talking on field. Deshaun Watson says, "Hey, look, I can get a you know a couple good receivers in here. You know, and I know you guys have bad history of receivers, but." You know, say, I don't even know who's going to be a free agent next year, but I, I'll use uh, Devontae Adams. We'll do that. Hey, you know, me and Devontae. Yeah, he's a pretty good He's a pretty good player who's going to be a free agent. Good call by you. Yeah. So, you know, hey, I think I can get him here. You know, he doesn't want to be in Green Bay anymore, and he's here. You got it. You're Howie Roseman. You got to say, yeah, sure. Like, I, I don't care what anybody says, too, with the T.O. thing. T.O. and McNabb, I think McNabb had a lot to do with T.O. coming here, too. Whether it was McNabb was good or T.O. just wanted to be here and catch passes from it. He just didn't want to catch him from Jeff Garcia anymore. I talked to Jeff Garcia about some of this at length. So it's pretty fascinating stuff, I'll say, for another time. But overall, like if Deshaun Watson wants a guy, like a receiver or tight end or a running back, you got to listen to that guy because he is 25 years old. He is a franchise quarterback. and if you let him, I don't want to say run the show, but if you let him put his input in like Eagles would do with Fletcher Cox, it, I think it's a good thing. I, I don't think it's a bad thing at all to listen to your players. Do you think that uh, with the fact that it looks like this isn't going to get done anytime soon, you and I can kick it around as much as we want? And yes, uh, you've got Deshaun Watson be able to stop, stop the conversation at any time with his no-trade clause. What would this be like if Carson Wentz were still here? If Deshaun Watson were trying to talk his way out of Houston and the Eagles are always looking to have the best quarterback that they possibly can have. They made a major financial commitment to Carson Wentz, which we've already seen they moved away from. So we have to at least acknowledge 
they would be open-minded to moving away from him from again if they could do a deal and get themselves a guy like uh, Deshaun Watson. If Carson Wentz had to deal with guys on Birds 365 talking about Deshaun Watson on a day-in, day-out basis, how much would it blow his very fragile little mind? Well, we saw last year a second-round rookie blew his fragile little mind. Can you imagine how a good quarterback would do Like, I can't get on you that much here, but can you imagine if the Eagles would even entertain this, like, just say, hey, look, we can flip this guy for this guy. I, I, I'm i just glad he's not here anymore, Jody. I, I've never seen a football player ever act like that. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm so speechless when it comes to what happened last year and how it affected his play. And I think there were a bunch of other factors into this. But I think that's why the Indianapolis Colts didn't or aren't going to pursue a veteran quarterback or, or Brett Hundley's the, their answer. He's not a threat, but God forbid Nick Foles or Marcus Mariota or somebody we could trade in Indianapolis right now, how Carson would react. And especially Nick Foles. Like I, I, and I've said this before. I still think the day it really hit Carson Wentz wasn't 27. I don't think he cares about that, but I mean, Chris Long went to Sunoco and <laughs> got the Jesus statue and all the other, the candles all that stuff, which he did get from the Sunoco gas station down the street from the Novacare complex. He did confirm that to me. <laughs> it's, I'll tell you what, it's, I, I don't know, Jody. It's one of those where I, it doesn't bother Jalen Hurts, and I'm glad it doesn't. Like, uh, he's just like, and I said this before, you know what? Until he's here, I'm the quarterback, and I'm just going to go out and do my job to the best of my ability every single day. And that's, I think that's why Eagles fans like Jalen Hurts so much right now. Nothing bugs this guy. Nothing. And you're, you're here to sing his praises. I'm here to sing his praises. I love his mental toughness. I like his leadership ability a lot. It is a complete 180 from what uh, uh, they had to deal with last year with Carson Wentz. All those things being said, and I'm pulling for the young man. I was one of few that actually said, I get what the Eagles are doing when they drafted him in the second round. He's, number one, the backup quarterback, which they needed to improve their backup quarterback position, and they wanted to do so without paying top-of-the-market backup quarterback money. You get him on a rookie deal, a second-round pick rookie deal, that's pretty damn good if you can get him up to speed. Now, when they made the pick, none of us knew that COVID was going to have the kind of effects that it did, and it did, and it kind of changed the dynamic and every of everything, but... I, I liked the Eagles line of thinking while most people said it was outrageous and stupid and bad and shame on Howie Roseman. Uh, the other thing that he was, was a safety net. Carson Wentz was an injury waiting to happen. And I know it didn't happen last year. They actually got him out before he could get hurt. And he was replaced because he was like the 34th best quarterback in the NFL, a 32 team league. Um, so it, it played itself out the way it played itself out. And I had no issues with the Eagles and the way that they went about getting him and then they eventually played him. Um, I, I, I can't say right now that I know that Jalen Hurts is going to be a uh, starting quarterback in this league for more than this year. I, I'm not ready to say guaranteed 2022, guaranteed 2023. No, I'm not ready to go there. But I know there are a lot of Eagle fans that want to at least give him the chance and they're going to give him the chance. This Sean Watson thing is not going to happen before the season starts. Um, therefore, 
there's a little pressure on the young man for the first couple of weeks of the season because he knows he's singing for his supper, not only for this year, but for future years going through. You think he's up to the pressure? I think so. Um, and look, this is why I keep saying, let's not harp on this team for how they play the first couple games of the year because their schedule's brutal. And if he plays bad, don't give up on this guy. I, you know, I keep saying that too. It's I want to see how much better he gets from week one to week 18. I don't, I'm not going to judge this guy if the Eagles are one in five after six games, he's playing bad, you know, because he can easily turn around against the Raiders or have a decent game against the Bears, definitely against the Lions. So, you know, I just want to see him progress. I want to see him progress. I want to see him develop. And I think in a perfect world for the Eagles, they have a good year. I'm not saying they win the NFC East. They have a pretty good year. He has a good year, and they can flip him if that's what they want to do. I, I will be an advocate against that because I think the guy's 23 years old and can only get better. But I can't go in the mind of Howard Roseman. So they want – and McMullen's right. Lurie wants that Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes type of quarterback. The problem is they don't grow on trees. And, right. and the best way to do that – and the Eagles have learned this – is the draft. And Spencer Rattler can be that guy. I'm not sure Malik Wills can. Sam Howell may be able to be that guy. But the Eagles also had a top two pick once five years ago, and he's not here. So it's an easy swing and miss. We'll see if they swing and miss this year with Jalen Hurts. Uh, both uh, Jeff and I are on record saying that we think he can get the job done and he can make the decision for the Eagles for 2022 rather difficult. Uh, which is going to be the best thing about being tuned to the Bird Street 65. Because I don't think he's coming in and putting 45 touchdowns up. Jeff said, 30 for me. Count me in for 30. But I also don't think it's going to be 18 and then Joe Flacco to the rescue. So uh, we want to see a cut and dry, decisive season for Jalen Hurts. Oh, no, I don't think that's going to happen. It's going to be in the middle. And we're going to have the continued debate here on Bird Street 65. We'll do some debating with our buddy. Barrett Brooks from the middle and NBC Sports Philadelphia scheduled to join us next here on Birch 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. 
The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Couple days away, the start of the 2021 Philadelphia football season exhibition game numero uno coached by nick seriani game number numero uno first ever chance to see the coach on the sidelines we've seen him in practice so far but actually being on the side calling plays that's something we haven't focused on much we're hoping to get uh, barrett brooks up in just a couple of seconds here nick seriani the play caller um he learned at the right hand of uh, frank reich in Indianapolis, people are going back and reviewing what the Colts did and how the Colts moved the football and the kind of play calling the Colts had. Um, this is the first time that uh, Sirianni will ever actually call plays in the National Football League. But if you believe he learned and learned well from Frank Reich, um, anything specific you're looking for, anything you want to see, need to see, or believe you're going to see here in exhibition game num- number one under Coach Nick Sirianni, the Eagles play caller? Well, I will say Nick Sirianni learned a lot more under Frank Reich than he ever could learn under Mike McCoy when he was with the Chargers. So I'll go for that. But I think what we're going to see is I think Sirianni is going to have a little bit of – I don't want to say a twist because I think he's going to show some part of his offense. Like I think he'll do an RPO or two, you know, just kind of – to have him run it in against another team in a live rap, it, it doesn't give anything away. I mean, because he pretty much said in a news conference, it's going to be a big part of the offense. And maybe he'll use some of that 21 speed, you know, just try to spice some things up a bit. But overall, I want to see how he how the tempo of the offense is. If they go no huddle a lot, if they do go in a huddle, how they move the chains, are they going to be methodical? Are they going to – you know, is it going to, are they going to be like Doug and just kind of take their time? Take their, I don't think it's going to be like that at all. But I want to see like more of what Wright did, not last year with the Colts, um, Andrew Luck's year, his first year, because they, they were pretty up tempo and they were pretty quick. And I think they can do that with Jalen Hurts. I don't think it's going to be like the year they had Jacoby Brissett, where they kind of were just 
going with the flow at that point. It's like, okay, Jacoby could do this, but he can't do this. So we're not going to do it. But Andrew Luck's first year, 2018, that's the one I really look at because they kind of were doing a lot of no huddle. They were taking shots downfield, which Jalen Hurts can do. I think they're going to do that a, a little bit. Uh, and I know I'm going a little forward into the regular season here. But overall, I think we'll see Jalen Hurts do a couple things like that in the preseason game. Because that is the number one thing that Nick Sirianni will be judged on. That's just the way football fans are. I'd love to say Eagle fans, Philadelphia No, it is a question board. Every single team, every single fan base, if your head coach is calling the plays, oh, they're going to scrutinize you to the bitter end. And we'll see how it goes. Game number one. For Nick Sirianni. We'll be watching, as will our next guest, ex-Eagle offensive lineman. You see him on the middle here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel and also on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Here's Big Barrett Brooks. How you doing? How's it going today? Good, Barrett. Uh, We're just talking about Nick Sirianni, the play caller, and I gave my opinion that the fans will either love him or hate him because of his play calling. Uh, Watching practice, talking to people uh, at the uh, Nobody Camp Complex. What do you think we're going to see out of Nick Sirianni, the play caller week one? Well, you know, he, he's had the full gamut of quarterbacks, you know, and, you know, during his career, he's had a guy that can run around and, and, and do everything. And and I think he's going to make sure that, you know, the, the offense is going to be well suited to whoever's going to be quarterback. If it's Jalen, he might have a couple RPOs, you know, where, you know, run pass options, um, you know, Flacco's in there. He's probably going to go deep a lot of the time or, or just run the offense, you know, get it going. Those are things that you can do to help the quarterback, you know, really get used to being out there when you call plays to the personnel and personnel packages you have out there. And I see Nick Sirianna doing that. Now, we can't really give an accurate um, analysis on what he's going to run because right now they're just running plays to see what they can run and see if they can't run. And, you know, sometimes it looks like the defense is a lot ahead, a lot more ahead of the game because, you know, it's, you know at the end of the day, it's easier for a defense to go out there and stop plays as opposed to um, 11 guys on the offensive side of the ball playing in concert and running a play. So, of course, you know, the defense is going to look a lot better than the offense. But, you know, as time goes on, you know, that, you know, great offensive line. And, yes, I did say great offensive line of all those guys are healthy can really put you in a position you can call whatever you want to call because those guys are a top five offensive line in the league. And I keep telling people that they're going to be um, what makes this team good. You know, not necessarily, you know, uh, what, what, what Jalen does or Flacco does, you know, or, or Mullins does. It's more so what those guys up front do that will dictate how the season will go. God knows why I did this to myself over the weekend, but I was watching some of your old games with the 97 Eagles. <laughs> I don't know why I watched the first three games because I have painful childhood memories of the the Tom Hutton snap and whatever. But the, I remember the first game, Ty Detmer didn't play that well, and Roddy P came in against the Giants and just lit it up. Like The Eagles wouldn't actually do that to Jalen Hurts at any point this year, would they? Well, you know what? I mean, there's there's really no allegiance to who's going to be a quarterback. They've already defined that, you know, it's an open quarterback position. Um, Jalen has taken all the starter reps. Yes, he has. But, you know, I don't think this 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 organization wants to tie himself to anything until next year, really. And I assume that, you know, they're going to give Jalen a lot more leash than they will give Joe um, uh, as it pertains to that, you know. But, I mean, you're right, man. You know, being, being in that game and, and, and understanding, you know, what, you know, Ty didn't play as well. Rodney came in. You know, we rallied around Rodney, you know, and, and Rodney played well, you know, for a better part of that season um, because of it. You know, a veteran guy understood how to play. Um, you know, so, I mean, that was just a situation where he just took the reins and, and played well. 
But I was also, you know, in a situation where it backfired on us also, where we had, you know, a guy that came in against Cincinnati, you know. Bobby Hoying. <laughs> and, 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 and we all know how that ended up. You know, Bobby Hoying, uh, you know, he didn't light it up after that, you know, because it, he basically wasn't the quarterback we thought we had when he played, you know, with, with you know, Gruden in his offense back then. You know, it goes with Dana Bible the next year. And lo and behold, you know, he wasn't as good as we thought. So, you know, I've had both sides of that, that of that of that table that I've had to eat from. So, but I mean, I, at this point, with that offensive line, you know, they can make anybody successful. Barrett, you uh, correctly, at least my opinion, uh, gave the offensive line a ton of credit. Uh, I do think that will be the strength of the team this year, uh, at least on the offensive side of the ball, what the O line can accomplish. Uh, that being said. It came out, I think it was even before last week, the end of the previous week, when someone kind of spilled the beans that Nick Sirianni actually keeps track of practices and has a winner and a loser on the side of the ball each and every single practice. And the defense was dominating the offense on a day-in, day-out basis. Now, of course, Brandon Brooks isn't playing. He's day-to-day. He's been out week-to-week, but they're still calling him day-to-day, and uh, Isaac Sayamalo has been out of the lineup. So you're banking on putting those two guys back in, and it's going to be a bigger difference. But it has been dominating defense so far. If you're one of the guys who's actually in there playing, and you know the coach is keeping an eye and he's keeping score, and as a unit, you keep getting beat day in and day out, do you actually say anything to your teammates and go, hey, I know it's just practice, but we're losing. What the hell? Hey, you know what? The coach is holding this against us. <laughs> Let's pick it up here, guys. You know, it's not necessarily that. You know, this is this is this is the time of the year where you're getting evaluated. And all these guys should be playing to the you know the highest point in their career because it's a what have you done for me lately type of game. Because you know, you do have a coaching staff that really doesn't have any allegiance or ties to older players or anything because they're a new coaching staff. Everybody started off, you know, not on the same plane, but you know, they had a fair opportunity and going out there and making a great first impression. So they have to go out there and play like there is no tomorrow because a lot of these guys, there is no tomorrow. So when you ask guys like Hightower, you know, who's not necessarily having a good camp, you know, what's going on, you know, I mean, we're, we're losing right now. It's going to mean a, lo- a, a lot different to him than it is going to be to a guy like, you know, maybe a, a Greg Ward Jr., or J.J. Otheka Whiteside when he's thinking of, you know, all right, man, I got to ball out because they got all these young guys out there who've shown the ability to play. And here I am, one of the young guys, and I'm not, um, you know, performing up to what I thought I was supposed to be performing up to because I'm a second-round pick. All these things are going through these guys' minds. So they should be trying to play and, and compete at a higher level. They should be. You know what I'm saying? But at this point, you know, I mean, the defense are – Light years ahead of them, simple because it's just the nature of how um, training camps go when it comes to offense and defense. It's harder to get 11 guys working in concert as opposed to, you know, defense. You know, you could kind of, you know, highlight yourself just by beating the guy in front of you. On the offensive side of the ball, everybody has to work together in order for this thing to really work out. You can't have a guy freestyle on the defensive side of the ball and make a play, and it looks like, oh, the defense is dominant. But you can't do that on the offensive side of the ball. So you have to be a little more disciplined on defense, I mean, offense than in necessarily on defense. So a lot of the time they look like they're highlighted simply because, you know, they can, you know, stick out a little more. You can play more like an individual as opposed to on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Ray's first year, uh, the 95 preseason, I, what did you – 
he say to you guys, like, what he wanted to accomplish that first game? You know, new head coach, all that. You know, you're probably not running uh, your most of your offensive and defensive formations there. Like, what do he say to you guys? Well, he was like, look, guys, you know, I, I got to make sure that, you know, I pick the best team out there. You know, and, and Ray didn't have any allegiance to anybody. He had allegiance to the guys he brought in, the Ricky Waters, the Fullers. Those guys had, you know, a, a little more leeway than a guy that, you know, is trying to make the team. And, you know, that's basically what he said. He said, hey, you know, you got to go out there and play. He said it a little more animated than most. But, like, you know, a guy like me, you know, I was his first draft choice. Um, he made sure that, hey, you're going to take all the reps. You're not getting off the field. I need you to be better before the team come, uh, before we start these 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 regular season games, because you are going to be vital for this team to be successful. You know, you're going to be starting there, so I need you to have all the reps. So he made sure that I played every single rep in the preseason. Um, you know, guys like Chris T. Jones, you know, he was the same way. Uh, Bobby Taylor had to play every single rep because, you know, we were guys that were going to the season and, and, and start early. So, you know, it, it we had to play at a high level because, you know, Ray would get you out of there too. You know, he was cutting guys left and right. He didn't care who you were or, or you could be a pro bowler. I mean, he cut Steve Wallace, a perennial <laughs> pro bowler, you know, one of the best tackles in the league. You know, he cut him, you know, because – you know, he, he he didn't perform up to what he thought it was. So Ray made sure he cracked the whip a lot of the time. Now, do you Damn. think Nick would do that, though? Like, just I'm not saying Nick has the final personnel decision, how he does, but say there was there's no, like, Steve Wallace-type talent on the roster that has roster bubble. But overall, you know, do you think he could cut a player of significance, like maybe a J.J. Artega Whiteside or something like that? Well, you know, I, I think J.J. has played, you know, a lot higher than – then you know what people are getting credit for. He's had a pretty good camp. You know, he's he's played better than Hightower. So, you know, if you look at him, he's he's doing a lot more than Hightower is right now. So I'd have to put him ahead of um ahead of a uh, Hightower. But you know, you look at guys like um Dillard. I mean, there's no way Dillard gets cut. But at this point, he is not playing up to the ability, you know, or, or the capabilities they feel as though he should be playing at. So why do they keep him around? I mean, he could be a great trade bait type of guy uh at this point. So those, you know, he's a, he's a guy in a position where, you know, he hasn't he hasn't done what he's supposed to do. He, he's not winning the position. Jordan Malata is, is, is head and, 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 and feet above, you know, him as far as playing level, athleticism, dominance as a player. So, I mean, what, why keep him around? Well, because he's a first-round draft choice. You know, he could possibly be a guy that they would trade. Um, there are guys that, you know, might get cut, even though they might be, you know, draft picks that, you know, you shouldn't know. I mean – you have to perform right now, and and that's exactly what you know Nick Sirianni is, is preaching. You 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 perform at a high level. You show me that you want to be here. You could be around, but if you don't, you think you're all that. You could also be out of here. So there's no allegiance right now to um to any older guys. There's no allegiance to guys that you feel as though should be making the team just off because it's you know, just because they've been around the organization for a lot longer than other guys. Barrett, let me follow up on Dillard. Um, you like uh, the guys we have on John McDonald uh, day in the day out and get the chance to see practice. Uh, John is still clinging to the fact that he kind of believed in Andre Dillard and uh, he's going to give him every last chance. He won't let that battle go. God bless John for his <laughs> But he's going to lose in the same way uh, Dillard's going to lose. Uh, my lot is going to start game number one. He's going to start on Thursday night. Can Nick Sirianni maybe, maybe get into Andre Dillard's head and say, listen, I'm starting my lotta. 
the job right now is my lot. I know that Nick has gone to great lengths to not name anyone a starter just yet, but maybe it's time to flip the script and say, oh, my starter is my lot of game one. I'm not naming him for game one of the regular season. I'm naming him for game one of the preseason here against Pittsburgh. Are you hearing me, Andre Dillard? I'm naming Jordan Mylott as the starter. In other words, you're not starting and you're not a lock to be on this football team. But I'm also leaving the door open for you. Walk through it. Throw it open. Go out there and uh, pancake somebody tonight. Do you think Dillard is a guy who can be mentally motivated by the coach if he presses the right buttons? You know, I personally, I don't really think that Dillard has it in him. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I can't see it. You know, and I, I don't know the kid. You know, I haven't talked to the kid and, and um, you know, really picked his brain. But just from what I see on the field, you know, I just don't think that he has the heart and enthusiasm at this point to go out there and fight, man. You know, you have to fight every single play. You know, I, last week, well, week before last, you know, I saw him tap out of a play just because he hurt his hand. You know, I mean, come on. Now you got beat. You got put on your butt. Then you get up. You, you you take yourself out the game. I mean, if I get put on my ass, I'm going to I'm gonna get up and I'm going to want to fight. I want to try to, you know, make sure that, you know, hey, you know, you're not going to do that to me again. I don't see that in him. You know, if I get beat on one-on-ones, I'm like, hey, coach, no, let me run this over. Let's run this over. Let's run this back. You know what I'm saying? Let's go again. I don't see that in him. You know, and, and, and you know, it's a shame because he's a technique wizard. You know, he has great technique. But, you know, technique only gets you so far. Technique will get you where you're supposed to be. At that point, but then it just, you know, it's got to be an inner self to saying, hey, I got to go out and whip this guy in front of me. You know what I'm saying? You know, hey, man, if I don't do if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, you know, he's going to take food off my, my, my plate. You know, that's that's what he lacks at this point from what I see. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I you know, that's the only evaluation I can get from what I see. I don't know what others are saying, but I see him out there every once in a while. He'll go out there, have a good play and he stretch around like he's a rooster. You got to do that consistently. And I don't see that consistency in them. Barrett, there's when I named uh, the Eagles offensive line, I was on Mike Gill yesterday, and I totally forgot about Nate Herbert because they're that deep. And I mentioned like 11, 12 guys before I got to a guy who's going to make the team. So who ultimately is not going to make this roster on this offensive line? Wow, that's tough, man. That's really, really tough, man, because, you know, when I when I look at it, they do have some guys, you know, like right now, the guys that are starting, you know, you know, Opeta, you know, all those guys because of you know the starters are out. I don't know if they make the team. You know, and when I look at the roster, I look at what they, you know, what they're trying to do with the Eagles, the offensive line. He has a, you know, Coach Stalin has a lot of guys that performed pretty well for him last year, and um, they had some quality reps last year. And some guys are taking in and run with it. You know, a guy I thought he was going to be cut last year um, really was. Um, uh, what's his name? Oh, my goodness. What was his name? Oh, my goodness. Matt Pryor. Now, Matt Pryor played horrible last year, but I see a definite difference on how he's approaching the game now. He's looking more consistent. He looked like he's battling now. Herbig, they got him a center. He's playing well. He's playing, you know, and he came in slim, ready to rock and roll. But then they have these young guys, you know, that 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 came in this year. You know, um, what is his name? Uh, um, Coyote. Uh, kid from Buffalo. He's shown me something, man. He's shown me he can play. You know, he's out there throwing guys around and, 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 and playing at a high level. So where does he fit in anywhere? If he plays in the preseason, great. They're not going to be able to hide him on the practice squad because he's playing at a level right now that 
I think he deserves a, a, a shot at really um, making an open day roster. So, is you know, there, is there a chance, Barrett, along those lines? Sorry to interrupt, um, that they basically redshirt Landon Dickerson. If he seems physically ready to play, I'm sure you'd at least like to get him out there so you can get a look at him. We know he factored in to the future of this team, and we were told that he should be back at some point during the year. But if they have this good offensive depth and they don't want to expose it to waivers, is there a chance that Landon Dickerson could sit this entire year and basically redshirt? I don't know if he sits the entire year, but I think he goes into the season on PUP list. Um, you know, and, and you know, just from watching him in college, man, he brings a lot to the table, man. I mean, he's a, he's a force. He brings a lot to the table. And and, and I was looking at him at first as a, as a luxury pick, you know, like, you know, you have depth at all the line, but once I saw really broke down the, the tape that I, you know, that, and remember the plays that I saw him play up front and close. I'm like, yeah, this kid's going to play. He's going to play early too. So, you know, he's going to put the heat, not just on, you know, the guys that are back us, but he's going to put the heat on a couple starters also. You know, so at this point, I, I see him as a guy that he's not going to make it through through the year um, and not be on the team. I mean, he's going to be, you know, on the opening, not opening day roster, but he's going to be on the roster before it's all over with as a backup on game day. I see that with him. Everything I'm reading, everything I'm hearing, everything I'm told, the Eagles have pretty much crushed it with their first four picks of this draft. Like Dickerson's a beast. We know that. Zach, Zach McPherson has been great. Uh, Milton Williams has been all over the place. And Devonta Smith, Devonta Smith. Like, could this be like a franchise-altering draft or, dare we say it, Howie Roseman? Well, it's going to have to be. You know, he was on the hot seat a little bit. But I, I think he went through – I mean, Milton, he, he's he's shown quickness, explosion of all the ball. Uh, McPherson looks like he's an NFL corner. He has the body, but he also has the instincts. You know, he's playing well out there, man. He's showing that he belongs – um, you know, out there on the field, not just as a backup, but, you know, he's going to compete. He's going to compete, you know, on the outside. So, you know, how we may have done a lot better than what we thought, you know, at least what, what I thought. I'll say I'll put it with me, at least better than I thought. You know, like I said, I thought, you know, Dickerson was a luxury pick. I really did. But he's shown now that, you know, from what I've seen on film uh, in, in college, that he, he needs to be there, and that was a good pick. Um, they – went out and got Nelson. So it kind of, you know, takes that luxury pick away because that they evidently they knew they were going to go out and get a veteran um, out there on the corner. So, you know, that's why they picked in the, you know, fourth round as opposed to being in the second round at the corner position. Here's one of the things that I don't know the answer to. I'm uh, uh, getting excited to look forward to see how actually it plays itself out. I think the Eagles are going to have a good pass rushing team this year. I know with their former defensive coordinator, he believed we're going to get there with four, and that's what we're going to do, and we're going to play everyone else back. Got to be able to cover. He just was not a blitzing guy. I think that the new defensive coordinator wants to hide things, wants to give you different looks, wants to be able to deceive you, which means they could bring some extra guys in blitzes. And when you do that, it gives all those defensive ends basically one-on-one battles because somebody's got to jump out and somebody's got to pick up the blitzer. They got some talent at the defensive end now. Josh Wett has been, according to all accounts, maybe the best defensive player in camp this year. Derek Barnett has tried to match him and has been hanging with him. We know what Brandon Graham is. Kerrigan is a pass rusher. That's what he does. And he brings some veteran leadership. And Cox has been moved outside. Not Cox. Uh, 
the the, the draft pick, their first round draft pick, uh, their third round draft pick this year, uh, Williams. They moved him outside. They almost have a, uh, a too big a roster of defensive ends, Barrett. How do you think the, the the coach incorporates all these guys into that defensive line rotation? Well, they've shown it. You know, they ran a lot of bare front this year. Bare front is when you cover up the guard, both guards, and the center um, on, on the on the offensive line. So now you have essentially five defensive linemen. And, and and you're asking your your um your, the offensive line to block all five guys. You never know. And what Carrigan um, brings to the table, and also um, Avery, um, Jannar Avery, they bring to the table is a, a defensive end slash linebacker type of type. So now they can cover a, a, a tight end or or maybe a running back, you know, and and you know break off when they're you know when they're blitzing, you know that, and that's a luxury they didn't have in the past. But they can do that. And with this bare front, it's basically to stop the run, but you can blitz off their front because now you don't know what side they're going to blitz from, what side they're going to come from because it evens up everything. Once the center and both guards are tackled, that number count becomes kind of wishy-washy as an offensive lineman because now it evens up your front. So who do you block now? Where's the blitz going to be coming from? Which way do you slide the offensive line to? Who's going to pick up the hot guy? It all gets, you know – lost in the wash when you have that type of bare front, man. So they've shown that a lot, which allows you to be um, very fluent in, in, in calling plays on the defensive side of the ball because you can't guess. You can guess wrong a lot of the time when you have fronts like that. So they're taking advantage of all the guys they have when you have five, five um, defensive linemen on the, on the field at one time. And I think that's one of the better things you can do because you have the autonomy of having a Kerrigan and a Gennard Avery who can play – linebacker, and rush the passer as a defensive end. I came out with my three bold predictions for the Eagles this year for CBSSports.com, and my number one was, one was, and I actually think he can get it, Devonta Smith's going to get 1,000 yards receiving this year. The extra game definitely helped. But what is going to separate him from Jamar Chase, who I think is going to be an absolute stud in this league, and Jalen Watt? Well, you know, his ability to, to to run routes, his route running is elite. And the biggest thing he brings to the table, he can catch. He catches consistently. We haven't had a guy like that in a long time who you know when you throw the ball to him, they're going to catch it. You know, Alshon was that guy. He keeps the chain moving. Well, I, I mean, I think um, Smith is going to be the same way. He can keep the chains moving. You might not have the huge big plays, and he'll have a couple, but he's going to be a guy that you can go to on crucial situations. When you have to run a slant and you have to get the ball to the guy to get the first down, he'll be the guy that I think um, Hurts is going to look for. You know, we had that incons- we had so much inconsistency. I equate him like an Irvin type of part, uh, Irvin Fryer type of player. Irvin would just get the chains moving. Irvin would catch the tough catch. Irvin would make sure that he got to the sticks caught the ball to keep the um, offense on the field. I think that's Devontae's place on this team as a number one, and I think that he's going to fulfill that. You know, he will have a lot of, you know, yardage simply because the volume of catches he's going to have because he's going to catch consistently. Barrett, last one for me, uh, and uh, I'm taking you back into your playing days. We love the Barrett stories. Um, what was the toughest game for you to ever get through? Because I checked the weather before we came on. It's going to be about 91 degrees at kickoff on Thursday night. We got a heat wave coming in, and oh, yeah, it's still going to be there on Thursday night. So out there, first practice, fully padded, uh, first exhibition game, and it's going to be hot. What was the toughest game you ever played physically that you had to get to? At some point, you said to yourself, wait, how much time is left on the clock? 
I'm not going to make this. This is <laughs> oh, not happening. I'm going down here, and I'm going down hard. Did you ever have a game like that during your career? Yes, yes. It was my rookie year, and it was in the preseason. And this is really where I thought, like, man, am I going to make it in the NFL? I'm not going to be able to play. But we played, listen to this, in Mississippi. We played a game in Mississippi, a preseason game in Mississippi. In the summertime, it was preseason. It was so hot out there, man. I, I called it Africa hot. That's how hot it was, bro. It was like we sitting right there on the equator, man. It was so hot. We were closest to the sun, man. And we played a game against the New York Jets there. And I can remember being that game, and, and halfway through the second quarter, I'm like, I'm not going to make it. I'm about to, I'm about to fall out. I had to go in and get a, an ID at halftime, man. That's how hot it was, man. It was hot. It was the hottest I've ever been in my life. In fact, I can remember flying back on the plane, and you would just hear guys as they're flying back. You ah ah, and you see you see the training staff run back there, and they be putting the IV in guys because their bodies were locking up. There was no no of course there was no. There was no less than 15 guys who had IVs running at a time yeah. on our flight back from Mississippi. I don't know why we played a game in Mississippi. If you look it up, is there we played a game in Mississippi against the New York Jets. It was crazy, man. Barrett, crazy. Uh, I actually saw something uh, on one of the highlight reels. Uh, you remember the game where Ty Detmer and Ricky Wars were basically like flipping out over Ricky War. I guess the alligator armed another catch or something like that. Yes. Like he has like a 30-yard run late in that game. And like I see your face, and you're like, like, what is, this? is that Barrett Brooks doing that? And then I like, turned around, I like froze the thing, and it was. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, I see you, Ricky. <laughs> it was crazy, man. You know, because playing playing with Ricky, man, was you know, it was definitely um, it was it was it was cool, man, because Ricky would give you everything, man. You know, he'd be cussing us out because you know we we block, we give him he about nine yards, he'll run nine yards, he'll run six yards, he'll run four yards, he'll run six yards, then he'll break one for like ten yards. But then Charlie Garner would come in the game, and then he'd break one for like thirty or sixty, and he'd be yelling, "Oh, you guys are blocking for me like you're blocking for Charlie." No, Charlie just needs this much room. He doesn't need that much room, you know. So it got to a point where you know, uh, Guy McIntyre was like, "Look, man, you say one more thing about us blocking, man, and it's gonna be a problem." So you know, it was kind of crazy, you know, that you say that because Ricky always thought we were blocking harder for him, but in all actuality. Charlie didn't need much to break it loose, you know what I'm saying? Plus that breakaway speed that he had. But, I mean, come on, man. You got nine yards here, eight yards there. You know what I mean? He was – you know, he would have like 135 yards, but it, it'd be on like, what, 25 carries, and Charlie would have 120 yards on three carries. You know what I mean? I really loved him some Charlie Gardner. Oh, oh, yes, he did. Yes, he did, man. Yes, he did. So, But it was great, man, you know. <laughs> Barrett, now all you have to do is put up with Harry and Aton. Uh, so uh, it might not be 110 degrees in Mississippi, but we know that it's heavy lifting and uh, you have to sweat it every day with those two knuckleheads, too. We, <laughs> Thanks, we, guys. We appreciate you coming out with us today. We're going to be on plenty during the season, buddy. Enjoy the game on Thursday. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good one. Barrett Brooks from the middle here on uh, with us on Birds 365. You catch him coming up in a couple hours right here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. All right, we'll come back. Myself, Je uh, Jeff Kerr, we still got a couple of minutes left to put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. 
It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Mac and Mac, guys, that's the usual pairing here on Birds 365. It's Jody and Jeff. Uh, we usually have matching M's. We got matching J's here on uh, Birds 365. Uh, last couple of minutes, we'll be back in tomorrow, which will lead into the first preseason of the game of the year for the Eagles. I was going to tell this story while Barrett was here with us, but we had already kept him half an hour, and it does. You made your prep time necessary to work with Aton and Harry, so I uh, didn't want to uh, uh, overstep our boundaries and keep Barrett any longer than we needed to. I don't know if you've ever heard this. I know I've told this story on WIP before. I don't think I've ever told it here on Birds 365. Uh, my meeting Ricky Waters story, Jeff, have you ever heard think, me tell this one? I don't think I've ever heard you tell okay. this Okay. Um, myself and my ex-partner, Glenn McNow, who I know you know, um, doing a show from Pizzeria Uno in King of Prussia, uh, right in front of the King of Prussia Mall, as a matter of fact. 
And we're an hour into the show, start at 10 o'clock. So it's 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, somewhere there about, sneaking up on 12. And our producer back at the studio tells us he had just taken a call from someone who claimed to be Ricky Warder's agent. I think it was Blaine something. I forget what his agent's name was. Uh, Blaine Pollock, maybe. Um, and he said he was Ricky Waters' agent. We knew who Ricky Waters was. And he said he wanted to know if Ricky stopped by the Pizzeria Uno, would we put him up? And we told the producer, uh, what do you tell him? Because it was how he's having this conversation off the air while the show is ongoing. He said, I told him, yeah, we'd put him up. I said, okay, well, here's what I know. I can recognize Ricky Waters. If he walks in here, it won't be a uh, uh, somebody who can pull a fast one on us like you can on the phone. Say that you're Ricky Waters. You get on, you can tell the guy doesn't sound anything like Ricky Waters. All right, we got, uh, we got punked. Uh, so I said, okay, let's see if Ricky Waters shows up. Damn if a half an hour later, guy walks into Pizzeria Uno, and it looks like it's Ricky Waters. And I said, Mac, I think that's Ricky Waters. So the guy comes right over to our table and just shakes our hand and sits down. Doesn't wait to be invited. Doesn't wait. Just sits right down. We had an extra chair right in front of a microphone. We had the producer set up an extra microphone in case he showed up, which he did. And he just starts shooting the breeze with us. Out of nowhere, he booked himself onto the Mac and Mac show. And we let him do it. And it was good. We went back and forth for a while. And Ricky just, this was before he signed with the Eagles. He blatantly is recruiting the Eagles to sign him as a free agent. He's oh, talking man. about, oh, it's during the free agency period. He had uh, his contract had ended with San Francisco. Where was he going to sign? There hadn't been a lot of buzz about him potentially joining the Eagles. But Ricky was going to make it happen. He came in and he basically gave a stump speech as to why the Philadelphia Eagles needed him. And at one point he said, and Ricky wants to come home. Well, <laughs> I don't like, number one, when athletes refer to themselves in the third party. And he did say, Ricky, didn't say, I want to come home. He said, Ricky wants to come home. And he's from Harrisburg, which I know is on that borderline. Can you call it Philadelphia or not Philadelphia? He went to McDevitt, and Sean McCoy went to McDevitt, and McCoy <laughs> always considered himself an Eagles fan. So maybe that's what he was referring to. I didn't know, but he did say, and Ricky wants to come home. And I just looked at him and said, yeah, but you're from Harrisburg. And he didn't oh, like that at all. Cool. He looked at me like, if looks could kill, wait, you're, you're stepping on my recruiting to Philadelphia. You're questioning the fact that I consider Harrisburg, Philadelphia, my hometown team, my Philadelphia Eagles. I told him, I swear to God, I thought he was going to hit me. And he said, no, Harrisburg is Philadelphia. Yes, I am coming home if I were to sign with the Philadelphia Eagles. And damn, if he didn't, within the next 10 days, he signed with the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, Glenn and I bent over backwards to take credit for getting Ricky Waters to come here to Philadelphia. And then what's he doing his first game as an Eagle? For who, for what? I thought, oh, man. And we were taking credit for bringing what Ricky Waters in all offseason. We helped to get Ricky Waters here. Yeah, he, he showed up at the pizza, you know, and talked his way. Onto the Philadelphia Eagles with the Mac and Mac show. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's a story I like to tell. Oh, I was seven years old when Ricky Waters came, so I'm really starting to get into the Eagles at this point. And my dad was a football junkie, so 
you know, and I do a bunch, you know, just I didn't play midgets or anything like that, but I was getting into it. Ricky Vars is my first favorite Eagle. So really? Yeah, oh yeah. So I didn't really care about for who for what and all that. I and I for some reason I forget that 97 Viking team where him and Ty Depper just blast each other on the sidelines and looking back at it, like Ricky Alligator armed a pass across the middle. He should have caught it, but Ricky protected Ricky, which I'm okay with that. But if someone like Ty Depper was having a terrible year at that time, chewing me out, I would have said something too. And then, so when he had that 30 yard run late, and that, that's why I had to mention the Barrett. I see Barrett's face, I'm like, that's awesome. I'm like, that is, and he's gonna be on the show tomorrow. And I don't know how Barrett got through that season because you you had a game where you couldn't score a, a point against Green Bay. Somehow you get a touchdown late. You let Favre go right down the field and let Ryan Longwell kick a 28-yard field goal for the win, and he misses it. I don't know that. And then the, literally the next week you have a 10-point lead against the Cowboys. You blow that. You still get in position to win the game from a, the exact same distance, and Chris Bunyol can't get the kickoff because Tom Lutton botches the snap and – you know, remember that? Remember that game? Oh, too? I remember that game. Yeah, Solomon had like a Mon- big Monday nighter, Solomon. right? That was a Monday night game. Yeah, it was. I'm like, yeah, I can't late imagine, night. Yeah, I can't imagine what WIP was like the next day. But. Oh yeah, and uh, we we talked, uh, and of course, you know, it was all Bonia fault because he was an ex Cowboy. Anytime you can uh, blame the Cowboys for an Eagle loss, you know for sure that Eagle Nation is going to jump on that. All right, we got a good one coming up tomorrow. Les Bo and our buddy is going to join us. And uh, pal of yours, one of your CBS contemporaries, is also going to hop on with us. Yeah, Brian Diardo is going to be on tomorrow. Um, he was at the Pro Football Hall of Fame this weekend, and he focuses on the Steelers and the AFC North. So good day to have him on tomorrow. And we'll have Brian Diardo and Les Bowen. will both be with us uh, tomorrow. Should be a good one. JK, good job today. Thanks, buddy. I will see you in the morning. Yep, see you tomorrow, Jay. Yeah, no. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.